Welcome to Beautifully Bloomed, the podcast where we explore how to break you out of the box of rules and beliefs that are holding you back from the life you are meant to live. I'm your host, Rebecca Turville. Join me as I share mindset tools, coaching conversations, and human design to help you uncover your unique gifts and create the life, relationships, and business you desire. So hi, Jennifer. Welcome to my podcast. Thank you so much for being here. Hi, Rebecca. It's great to be here. Yay. So first of all, tell the listeners how we know each other. I first heard about you. So we we both graduated from the Life Coach School, but at completely different times. And then there's a Facebook group for, it's called the Coaching Posse for Life Coach School Coaches. And there was this conversation about human design that I found very intriguing and your name just kept coming up over and over. So then I found your podcast and I binge listened to it. And then I decided to hire you for an HD session. And then I hired you for more HD sessions. And, and then I was, then I was in like your beautifully bloomed group. Yes. That what it was called your business? Is it? Yeah. Bloomed, I think. Bloomed. So you, you introduced me to human design and you taught me that I could believe in God and have some different sorts of beliefs at the same time. (laughs) Isn't that interesting? Cause it, yeah. So human design and God, that's, you know, it's kind of a conflict I had at the beginning too. And I was like, Oh, can you do that? (laughs) Oh, can you like be a Christian and, and listen to things like astrology and human design? Like, I know what you're talking about. Like I had some of that, but I don't know that it was coming from me. This is what I've learned. I think it was coming from conditioning or deep conditioned beliefs that brought me there. You know I would agree I mean? with that. I would, I would agree with that. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Oh, the other thing I was going to say is we both live in Michigan, right? Yes. And it was 45 <laughs> degrees yesterday. <laughs> oh yeah. And you live quite far away from me. Wait, what, where are you again? What area of Michigan? I am actually almost in the geographic center of the lower peninsula. So I live um, about an hour north of Lansing. So right in the oh, middle yeah. of the state. Yeah, that's right. You're Why, right down there. Where you are? Is it colder? I'm like six hours north of you, pretty much. I'm like way up by Lake Superior. So, you know, I don't know however long it takes you to get to Lake Superior. That's where I am. I'm up by, up there. So yeah, so we're quite far apart, even though we live in the same state. And someday we're probably going to see each other in person because when I come down there, I'm going to say, hey, Jennifer, I'm around. But yeah, so what we wanted to have this conversation about religion, because I think was it you wrote me something to my last email, something about I don't remember how you said it, but I was like, oh, we should have a conversation about that. So it was something about you, your changing beliefs or um, how your faith has changed. Do you remember what you told me? Not specifically, but I've sort of been going through a faith transition. Like my, my, my dad's a minister, right? I've just been all over this recent podcast season. Um, all of the people that you're talking to, I have always found religion and faith fascinating. Like my dad was a minister. He wasn't always a minister. He sort of made that transition himself when I was in fifth grade, but I've always felt kind of different and kind of close to God. And I, even growing up for a time in Northern Indiana, like there were Amish kids who rode my bus and I would sit with the Amish kids and I would ask them questions. I realize now that maybe this wasn't normal, but I would ask them questions like, 
what's your church like? Like, what do you do? They would meet at people's house. Like, it's just who I am. It's different than you, right? So you're like, yeah. Tell me all the things. (laughs) I want to know everything. (laughs) That's kind of like me, except I didn't feel ever like I could ask the questions. I felt like, oh, that would be bad. That'd be wrong. I shouldn't want to know what other people's churches are about because that might lead me off the straight and narrow path that I'm on, right? Like there was this weird thing for us that we're not allowed to, or we shouldn't go be curious or go explore other faiths or beliefs or do you know what Did you ever feel that way or no, it was all good to you. Like you could be open and explore. I, it all. <laughs> I was always super curious and I was always a question asker mm. and I went to the library a lot. <laughs> I'm a librarian now. I'm a, so I'm a line one and I'm a librarian. I've been, I've worked in libraries for 30 years, right? I don't think my parents were always entirely aware of what I was reading. <laughs> of your questioning. Yeah. Um, of my questioning. Well, what religion was it that you grew up in? And we forgot that part. Okay. So, well, and I'm trying to think, of, I'm going to respond to this really nerdily, but okay. So I, my father was a minister with the Church of God out of Anderson, Indiana. Now, there are tons of different churches of God, but this is the best way for me to explain it. Okay. So like they, the, all the churches in America that are Christian churches, like originally came from the Church of England. Oh, yeah, right. So when Martin Luther, German monk, nailed his little thesis to the door and started the Protestant Reformation and, and started the Lutheran Church, a few hundred years later, there was a guy named John Wesley who started the Methodist church, like broke away from the church of England, started the Methodist church. And then, and the Methodist church is different in that they believe in like a salvation experience where you like become a Christian, but they believe in this second experience, which they call sanctification, which is like this process of you changing your life and becoming more holy. And so in, is it the born again thing or not? It is the born again thing, but they wouldn't call it that. But yes, but like when, when the church of God Anderson started up, it was sort of in what they call the holiness movement. So in the late 1800s and in the early 1900s in the United States, there were lots of churches around, but people were, so there were, there were people who were frustrated with those churches because they thought they were too big. They were too bureaucratic. They weren't serving the needs of the poor. Mm-hmm. They were too focused on money. They were too powerful. So they started this holiness movement, which was really about this second. So you get the, the theology behind it is first you become a Christian and then there's the sanctification process where you become more and more holy, like you become more and more Christ-like. So there's this sense, like this emphasis on behavior came up, Mm. this emphasis on not smoking, not drinking, like whatever these rules are. And then that eventually, like these churches, like in these churches I'm talking about are the Nazarene church, the free Methodist church, Christian missionary lines. There's like even the Salvation Army started as part Mm. of this holiness movement and eventually led into things like revivals, which led in the fifties. The tent revivals. Yes. <laughs> anyway, so that's my like my history lesson. So it was kind of around in there. So there is this emphasis on rules. And my parents grew up in the Nazarene Church, which is really a center of the Church of God in Anderson. My mom was one of thirteen. My dad was one of nine. My mom didn't wear pants until she was eighteen years old. She didn't go to her first movie till she was in her thirties. Thought she was going to hell the entire time she was there. Like they didn't encourage jewelry wearing or any of that. So my parents had sort of really had some of those 
rules in place for me and my sisters, but they had laxed on some of them. But like we weren't allowed to go to dances when I was in high school until my older sister, who is more rebellious than me, sat my mom down and said, look, we really want to go to the dance. It's just after the ball game and nobody really dances anyway. Like we all just stand around and look at each other, but we want to be with our friends. We could lie to you. <laughs> we could just lie to you and tell, stay the night at our friends. But instead, we're just asking you so we could be people of integrity. Will you change your mind? And they're like, huh, okay. Oh, I wish it would have been that easy for me. <laughs> <laughs> it was a lot harder than it sounds like, but like there was a lot of pushback with that. And so you had, did you like wear makeup and jewelry and stuff in high school? I was allowed to. It depended on what the not blue eyeshadow for some reason. Blue okay. eyeshadow was forbidden. Just a little specific things were not. Um, and <laughs> and maybe really simple, like the really cool chandelier earrings that they got right now. That wouldn't have been happening. But like something modest, in 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 my parents' opinion, like you were allowed to have piercings. So we weren't allowed to have piercings. Yes, we so. were allowed to have piercings. Yeah, yeah, that's interesting, huh? So the rules were really. But did you go to movies? We did go to movies. We were not to see rated R movies, but you know, when you're like a lot of parents still don't allow that at right, all. Right, right. It was, um, you had a television. We had a television and we were allowed to listen to the radio. Although I did get some lectures about the inappropriateness of some of the things that I, I love music that I listened to. On Which the radio. I know, like, I think all of us cringe about our kids' music sometimes, right? I even remind <laughs> remember when my kids were growing up thinking, what the heck kind of music is that? You know, some of the, I right. don't even know what you call it, but I was like, some of the words in that song, you know, so I know like, it's just, maybe it's just a parent thing or maybe it's just me, but we also like, we listen, even though I love music, I listened to lots of different music when I was a kid, but it was a little bit frowned upon. Like That isn't like that rock, hard rock in the eighties, you know, or the, what is it? Heavy metal. Heavy metal. Ooh, the heavy metal, like that seems wrong. But anyways, yeah. So, so you were allowed to listen in the same way I was kind of. And, and I, and we were encouraged, like, um, we were encouraged to go to college, like me and my, it was never a question for me and my two sisters, whether or not we were going to go to college. It was just assumed that we, we were gonna. Yeah. And yeah, it was just assumed that we were gonna, I did, I like, I, when we first, hmm. Here's a story that I want to tell. And it was about when I, maybe I was in fifth grade and we were like Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, going to church kind of people. Like anytime the church was open, we were there. <laughs> and so when my parents couldn't go, they always had someone take us. So there was this woman in our church named Mrs. Probst. This is when we lived in Indiana, kind of near Shipshawana, near the Amish communities. Oh, yeah. And it was a, like, so anyway, she was the person who normally took us to church when my parents couldn't be there. And we were riding on, home on the school bus one day. And you know, when you're a kid, you always go to the clear back because you like, when, anyway, we wouldn't mm. sit in the clear back. Be in the back. And this, yeah. and this kid named JJ sat with me. And JJ was a bit of a character and he liked to flip the people off who were behind us. Can you see where the story is going? So <laughs> JJ's like flipping everybody off off the back of the bus window. And I'm sitting with him and I'm like, knock that off. And I look back and I see Mrs. Proft. Oh. And I like hit the deck, right? Because I was hoping that she didn't see me. So a couple weeks later, mom and dad can't go to church. We're getting in the car. She's like, oh, no, no. I want Jennifer to sit up front with me. <laughs> so she says to me, you know, Jennifer, boys like their girls pure. 
And there wasn't anything that I could say. I'm not going to yeah. art. And I was just like, yes, mom, right? Yeah, yeah. So we get to the church to get out of the car. And my sisters were like, what the heck did you do? And I was like, you didn't do anything. I just sat next to the kid who flipped <laughs> yeah. her off. But like that sort of thing was like so shame filling, right? Yeah. Like I think that there's this. There's a lot of shame. There's yeah. a lot of shame, fear, and guilt. Yes. That gets built into churches and into those roles that can be so harmful and so debilitating. And I didn't really realize, like I, layers of this have been coming off for years, right? But like, I didn't really realize until COVID when I couldn't go to church. And this seems to be a theme on your podcast. But like when you, when you stop going, like sometimes you have to get away from that shame, fear, and guilt before you can realize that you were living in it. And that's what happened to me. It's like, it was Sundays became this because sometimes church becomes this thing you got to do, man. It's like on your to-do list and you sort of beat yourself with a stick because you don't really mm-hmm. feel like going, but you go anyway. And you, um, there's this freedom, like, like maybe there should be a day of rest and maybe I should be allowed yeah. to sleep or go for a walk or yeah. be in nature or. Right. Like, why do we have to put so much pressure on Sundays? Like for me, I recognize this too. When I stayed home from church for a while after COVID, I was like, oh, there's no more pressure. It, I, I realized how much I disliked Sundays. I'm like, why can't Sunday be a day I like, <laughs> not a day I dislike, you know? And all of a sudden Sunday became this whole freedom day. Like, I don't like the freedom from everything, the freedom from work, the freedom from church, the freedom from social media, just the freedom to be me. I'm like, isn't that the spiritual thing that Sunday should be about? I don't know. It's 100%. I know. And it's hard to even think about going back now for myself to think about getting in the grind. I don't know. Well, and for me, for me growing up in the pastor's family, so my dad had like, my dad was, um, my dad was an executive in a manufacturing company with the mm-hmm. company that made RVs. Right. And so when he felt like he had the call to the ministry, there was a lot of like weeping and gnashing of teeth in my house because nobody really wanted to be in the minister's family. So when that ha- like, it wasn't that it was a horrible experience, but it cause it was kind of like life in a fishbowl. It was about how you, how you appear, how you appear to other people matters and following the rules matters and whether or not you're at a church. Yeah. There's a lot of like oppression in that. I think there's a lot of pressure, Hey, to be the minister's kids. Like I can't imagine that. And two, you sort of get a back, like it isn't all sweetness and light. Like people come to church on Sundays and I don't mean to talk bad about church because I think that church can be a beautiful thing. It can be. Yeah. For, in terms of community. I for love some music, people. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. For some people, maybe not for every person, but there was, I guess I'm just kind of picky about who I submit my authority to. Yes. It's like, even though I'm not in church right now, I have people who speak into my life. Some of them are Christian people. Some of them are not Christian people, but they're friends who will tell me the truth about who I am and what I'm doing and maybe what I need to work on. And to me, I feel like, I think for a really long time, I looked outside of myself for that leadership and guidance. And now that because of COVID and because I haven't been in church, I really feel like God speaks to me about what I need to be doing. I feel like I'm listening better and I'm not willing to just give that away again. So did you just up until COVID times continue on with the same church that you grew up in? 
No, I've gone to all kinds of churches. Like I went to college in a school that was affiliated with the, like the, the, they don't even call themselves a denomination, but the movement um, that my dad was affiliated with. But I I went to all kinds of mostly interdenominational churches. Okay. Um, So I've been to all different kinds of churches and I lived all over the place. Like I got married the first time and we went to church in New Mexico and then, you know, we moved all around. So we were constantly changing. And now I, I don't know if I'll go back to church again. I'm not saying I won't, but right now I would say no. And I also think that when I got married the first time, I really believed that if I did everything right, that my life would turn out fine. Right. And it's not that my life didn't turn out fine. It didn't turn out like I planned and I could have done everything perfectly. And I think, I still think bad problematic things would have happened. That's kind of what COVID was for me. Like in in 2020, my dad, it, it was, he passed, but he was a diabetic he lost a leg. He went into a nursing home because he couldn't live at home and we weren't able to see him. And he passed mm. away in a nursing home. That's sad. Um, in 2020 by himself, right? Like literally by him. a man who was a minister who like gave his whole life to serving God. And then a few weeks later, my brother and, and sister, my, my sister and brother-in-law were in an accident. My brother-in-law died at the scene. It was bad. Yeah. And it was like, why? I guess it's just there. Are, sometimes there are no answers to these really hard things. And we believe that our faith is going to magically make these things better. And it doesn't. Exactly. I think it's perfectly okay to question these. I think if you're going to have a faith, it's it's worth questioning or it's not worth having. Yeah, I believe that too. Like can I decide what I get to believe without some structured system telling me what I have to believe, you know, which is the way I, and it just took so many years for me to undig myself out of that. Like, this is the way you have to believe. This is what it's about. Like, If you live this life and let's not worry about like, well, are, we are all going to go through hard times. We know we were taught this in church. We all go through hard times. It's whatever, but don't look, this is temporary. Look to the, it's almost like putting the focus so much on the next life, right? Like life after death or whatever, Right. that let's not enjoy this life too much. Don't enjoy it. <laughs> you know, you have to follow these rules. And I'm like, I, it just feels a little screwed up to me. Like I want to, and why can't I enjoy this life? Why can't I have pleasure? Like what's wrong with it? You know what I mean? Like I feel there's an oppression there from how I grew up, you know, the, the pleasure and enjoyment of life. I think that life is meant to be enjoyed. That's what I think too. And I think (laughs) the things that give, I'm learning that the things that give us joy are like they're deliberate. Like I I still believe in God, right? I can't help it. And human design has helped me to see that I'm designed in such a way that the things that light me up are meant to light me up. Yeah. And I love talking to people about faith transition and religious experiences, which I it's know fun. Is, like, it's, it is fun, <laughs> which is why I wanted to be on the podcast, but yeah. like that kind of thing lights me up. And, and so I think that when you don't know what to do, like when you, like a lot of times, you know, where you want to go, but you're not quite there that like, you're kind of in the middle of like in, in the middle of an identity shift. If you don't know what to do, just find what gives you joy and do it. That's what I think. That's what I think too. And have you heard me say that? I heard, I I learned from one of my coaches that this word desire, it means of spirit. I was like, mm-hmm. oh, really? Like that gave me a whole nother perspective on 
like, cause I was taught like you shouldn't desire th- Like, I don't know, desire almost seemed like a dirty word, you know, like desire and pleasure. And it's almost like, those are like, I don't know. They seem indulgent. They seem yes. indulgent. Yes. It's selfish. It's indulgent. You shouldn't want that. <laughs> like, I don't know. Life should be really hard and, and it is at times, but then shouldn't we allow ourselves to do the things we love to do and to have pleasure from them, you know, and enjoy like moments and enjoy, like be present in the here and now, and not just constantly thinking about what happens after death. Like, you know, it's when you're constantly putting your attention over there and your focus, how can you really be present in this moment? Yeah. In this life, right? Like, I think this life is meant to be lived. And that's what I took away from my son's death. Like, oh my gosh, it could be so short, you know, life could be short. So let's enjoy it. And it kind of gave me a, like, I, that's when I started resisting what I had been taught from the church perspective. Like I had been taught, like, I don't know, it just, I can't even describe it right now, but it's for some reason that's coming up for me that I'd been taught, like, you shouldn't enjoy things. Like it's not, we're here, it's hard work. We're here to, to like, look to God and follow these rules. So we get to go to heaven, you know, and it's just so much about that. And it sort of takes away all the stuff that you could enjoy in this lifetime. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know. It's, it's, it's kind of backwards. (laughs) And I'm trying to like figure out how to express it someday on my podcast. I will tell my story about that, but it's just like, I love how it comes up in these little bits and pieces with these conversations, you know, like, oh, there was a bit of something for you there too, about joy and can't we be joyful? Why? Why can't we be joyful? You know, we'll get uncomfortable when you're joyful. Like some of the things that light me up, like I, I've been told my whole life I'm extra, like, like, Oh, Jenny, you're so over the top. But like the things that, the things that give me, like, sometimes I get excited about stuff. Here's an example. I went to Nashville over the summer with my sister and some friends and I had to go to the bathroom really bad. Cause I have an old lady bladder. And so I went to go to the bathroom and then I couldn't get back to my seat because they were in the middle with the beverage cart. And so I wasn't just going to stand there. So I just sat down in an empty seat and I started this conversation. She started the conversation with me, man. That's the way it went. But she started talking to me. She told me all about her son and how he was jumping on the trampoline. He was 17. He broke his neck and, and they ended up going to the hospital and they never thought he was going to walk again, this whole long story. And then her son ended up becoming a missionary in China and then broke his leg and fell in love with the Chinese nurse at the hospital. It was a crazy story. It was amazing. So I finally get back to my seat like 45 minutes later. And my sister said, you, you are so extra. You learned all that on the way to the bathroom. You're like, yeah. <laughs> yes. And it was a great so. story. And I'm telling it to you guys too. Yes. I just, yes. For me, there's like, people are fascinating. People are fascinating. And relationships and community are what I think make life worth living. Like if we don't have relationships to like communicate and make us better and challenge us and learn new things, like life would be boring. But that's one thing you just said, like relationships and all of that. It's like when you live in a bubble of the church that I grew up in, when you're not supposed to go outside the bubble, right? It's like hard to get that diversity of experiences and meeting different people that are different than you that have different opinions and different experiences. Like it's so homogenistic, 
in the way I grew up. You know, we're all the same. We're all kind of had the same background. We're all of Finnish or Swedish descent. You know what I mean? Like there's a sameness about us. And that, like you're talking about the boringness. I mean, like, you know, you're, it's, it's weird. Like if you go far away to college and all of a sudden you meet people who are totally from a different part of the country, even in the United States, right? There's so many different cultures and And you go, if you go far away, which I didn't do, by the way, I just went to college in the same heart of the people that I grew up around. So, but I like, if you go far away and you meet different people and all of that, it gives you so such a richness of life experience. And I'm just starting that myself in the last five years or whatever, right. Of stepping out and like meeting different people and going different places and having new experiences. And it's, there's a richness about that. And some people, let's say, fear that from the church, fear that like differentness or the, you know, what are you going to learn? That's going to take you away from, right. And I'm like, if we're going to be afraid of what we're going to learn by going out and having new experiences, then something is really wrong. You know, like if we're so afraid that you have to hold on to people so tightly, then there's something wrong with that system, in my opinion, you know, like there's no freedom in it, right? It's like, we're, oh, we're so scared of the world. But what if God created all the world for us? We're all like, what if we created and created all the diversity (laughs) for us, like all of us, you know? I don't know. It's just, oh, this is so fun, Jennifer. And I can, <laughs> like, we could talk about this. Maybe we'll just have to have another conversation because I think our, our time is about up. So what do you do now? I wanted to get to that before we leave. So what do you do in your, because you're a coach and I'm curious, what are you doing in your coaching? I am a coach. I am also a library director. So I've sort of been, I'm I'm working on building my business so I can leave my librarianship, which I love, but it's not my passion like coaching is. I am sort of pivoting. I was doing like a general women coaching for women, like helping women transform their lives because I really have had some powerful transformation just by looking at the way that I think, but I'm sort of shifting into faith transitions and spiritual coaching. Not exactly sure um, where I'm going to end up, but uh, my my business coach, interestingly enough, has encouraged me to start having, because I've been talking about this joy component and what lights me up. She's encouraged me to have five conversations this month and record them with people that want to talk about their religious transitions or experience. Kind of like, here's one. (laughs) Yeah. Super fun. Um, And they don't have to be all Christian people either. Like the the more different, the better. Different. So, um, yeah. So where can people reach out to you? I am on Instagram at Jennifer L. Balcom. Awesome. And yeah, 100% come visit me. Anything you like, anything you want to talk about, I'm here for it. Awesome. So I'll put those in the show notes for everybody. So thank you, Jennifer, so much for coming on. Thanks, Rebecca. If you enjoy listening to this podcast, please go subscribe so that you get notified of all the future goodies that are coming along. While you're there, please leave me a review and let me know what you think. So excited to share this with you and can't wait to talk to you next time. Bye.